It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. On this episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity, I hope to reveal one of the most powerful names for God's people that you can ever assimilate into your life. And at the same time, I intend to expose a false belief that has crippled the progress of the body of Christ globally. And that is the idea, the false idea, may I repeat, that there is a group of elite persons in the body of Christ who have a quote-unquote calling from God, and they function in very visible ministerial roles, but the rest of the body of Christ doesn't really qualify for that kind of status. That is false according to the Word of God. And if you have a limited concept of your own worth in the kingdom of God, chances are you will not explore your calling and boldly walk in it. So I am hoping and praying that this podcast will awaken you to a whole new level of effectiveness in your life. I pray it will roll you up to the launching pad and light the fuel of purpose in your tanks, so to speak, and send you into the orbit of your divine destiny. I pray after you listen to this podcast that you will never be the same and you will walk in boldness, spiritual boldness, every single day of your life. Now, let me go to the foundational scripture, and that's Romans chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Paul is writing the Roman church, every member of the Roman church, not just the leadership of the Roman church. And referring to Jesus, he says, through him, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. That is an all-inclusive statement. Every member of the Roman church was called by God. Each man and woman had a divine destiny, a divine purpose planted within his or her heart that needed to be watered, that needed to be nurtured, that needed to be brought to a place of complete and full fruitfulness, not 30-fold, not 60-fold, but 100-fold. And Paul was encouraging each one of them that they had this important role to fill. Now let me define what a calling is. Number one, it can be an invitation from God to fill a certain role or to receive a certain benefit. You may be called to receive the joy of the Lord in a very special way where you emanate it to others. You may be called to receive a gift of peace from God that passes understanding so that you can be a haven of peace in a world full of anxiety and stress. So there's different characteristics, different personality traits that God emphasizes in different believers. And that becomes a calling. Whatever you receive, 
is what you then give away to others. And then second, a calling can be a divine summons from God, an inescapable soul-gripping mandate from your life, something you can't flee from and somehow avoid. Ask Jonah about that. Now, I want to insert here a dream that someone had about me years ago because I think it fits beautifully. In this particular dream, I was standing on the platform in a tent crusade, which I did for many years. I carried a large tent all around the country, and we had tremendous outpourings of the Holy Spirit. And in this dream, I was standing on the platform beaming with joy and radiating the light of the anointing. And this particular person who I respected as having a prophetic anointing in her life, she said that she heard the voice of God speak two things simultaneously. It was like his voice was layered one time over the other time that he spoke. And she heard both statements simultaneously. And the first statement was, be true to the gift God gave you. And the layered statement on top of it was almost the same, but different with one word. He said, be true to the gift God made you. And so whatever gift you receive, you become. If God gives you a gift of wisdom, you become a gift of wisdom to others. If God gives you a gift of healing, you become a source of healing to others. And so that fits in beautifully with this definition of what a calling is. Now, let me share with you that there are three levels to the calling of God. Number one, the foundational level, the entire world is called to salvation. Number two, all believers have received the common calling of being conformed to the image of the firstborn son. That's a calling that all of us share if we have surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. There's a transformational change going on inside of us every single day. Change doesn't always happen immediately sometimes. It's gradual, like the development of a butterfly within a cocoon. We are in the cocoon of this natural body we inhabit. And maybe people around us don't see it, but we are being changed every single day. That's the second level of the calling being conformed to the image of the firstborn son. And then number three, each born-again believer is called to fulfill a unique purpose, a unique divine destiny. And I've heard it said, and I love the way it's worded, you are the best there is at what God has called you to do. Nobody can fulfill your calling like you can. You cannot fulfill my calling neither can I fulfill your calling. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. And Psalm 139 talks about that, how God has even fashioned the days for you when as yet there are none of them. When you're in your mother's womb, there's a divine destiny like a red carpet being rolled out in front of you. Now you can veer off of that carpet and walk through weeds if you want to and walk down in a muddy ditch if you want to, 
but I would dare to say stay on the red carpet and it will lead to a place of real fulfillment and happiness and fruitfulness in your life. Now let's go back and inspect every one of those categories a little bit more deeply. Number one was God has sent forth his call to the entire world. One of my favorite scriptures Concerning that is Psalm 50, verse 1, that says, The mighty God, even the Lord, has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun to its going down. I don't believe that's talking about just a 24-hour cycle of night and day, one individual day. I believe it's more metaphorical than literal And when God said he has called the earth from the rising of the sun to its going down, I believe that's the beginning of creation to the final end of this age. There's never been a time when God was not sending forth his calling and wooing the entire human race to himself. And sometimes he does that through voice and communication coming from his representatives in this world. We preach, we teach, we declare the truth. And sometimes he does it internally through the conscience, that inward sense of what is morally right and morally wrong. And it carries with it the desire to do what is morally right. So sometimes it's external, sometimes it's internal, but still the calling is going out to the entire world. There's another scripture that says it beautifully, Isaiah 45, 22 God says, look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. So God is pleading with the entire human race to come to him. Again, sometimes that's external with the proclamation of the gospel on television, on radio, on podcasts, etc. And sometimes it's an internal gripping of the soul where you just know, I've got to change my life. I've got to change the direction of what I'm doing in life. Number two, God sends forth his calling to the entire church in a common area. Romans 8 verses 28 and 29, a passage of scripture that is very dear to me. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I think this is probably one of Paul's most powerful statements. He said, all things, I believe that encompasses all the negatives and all the positives in your life. All things work together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. Now, I don't want you to camp there, but I want you to visit for a few seconds some of the most painful things that you've ever experienced in your past. Go ahead for just a moment. Don't let it grip you. Don't let it bring you down in discouragement and depression. But remember the pain of what happened to you. But then Go a little further in the future and remember how you committed it to God. You prayed your way through it, and it had a changing effect on your character. Maybe you became a more compassionate person, 
feeling the pain of other people and extending love to them because you went through a painful place. You know how to love those who are caught in the same kind of mess. Or maybe it made you a more merciful person or a more forgiving person or a more humble person or a more obedient person. I can give you all kinds of examples of things I've faced in life that were bad at the time, but they ended up good when God got through with what he's so good at doing. So I would claim that passage of scripture, all things. In fact, dare to shout out all things right now while you're listening to this podcast. Third, God's calling goes out to individual believers. I love this particular translation of Psalm 33, verses 13, 14, and 15. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. Now listen to this next part. He fashions their hearts individually. Dearly beloved, let me remind you, every snowflake is a different design. Every thumbprint is a different design. There is a unique divine design for your life. He has fashioned your heart individually. You have a unique combination of personality traits. Don't write yourself off. Don't say, well, this person or that person is more qualified for what I feel called to do. No, God is a genius. And he knows exactly how to match your personality to your calling so that you're the best there is at what God has called you to be and to do. Again, don't write yourself off saying, I'm not bold enough. I'm not courageous enough. I'm not knowledgeable enough. Maybe your particular calling doesn't require an excessive degree of theological understanding of high-flying concepts. Maybe your calling is more empathetic and sympathetic toward people where you feel the heart of that person. You understand what's going on internally. You know how to relate to it. You know how to connect to it. And you know how to bring change in those individuals' lives. God knows what he's doing. You are unique. I love the quote from years ago. Abraham Lincoln says something very similar to this, that all men are born into the world originals but most men die copies. And that's the tragedy of it. Because we fight these feelings of inadequacy, many times we'll find individuals that we think are stronger than us or more capable than us or more refined in the way they do things than us. And we'll copy not only their way of doing things, but even their personality to a certain degree, assimilating certain words and certain mannerisms so that we become a carbon copy of that person. That's not what God wants for you. You need to be yourself. You need to go ahead and be the unique person you are and go out into your world and shine like the sun and banish the darkness from people's lives. Now, there's three different kinds of callings I want to focus on. Number one is a holy calling. We find that in 2 Timothy 1.9. This is such a powerful verse. 
it starts off that God has saved us and called us with a holy calling. So simultaneously, the beginning of that verse reveals if you're saved, you're called. Bam, period. No question mark there. God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And the original Greek word there is more correctly rendered time. The King James Version says before the world began, but it's more properly rendered before time began. All right, before the clock started ticking at the dawn of creation, before the world itself was spinning on its axis, before there was a Milky Way galaxy containing our solar system, when there was only darkness and emptiness, you were in the mind of God. And God gave you a purpose, but most amazingly, God gave you grace to fulfill that purpose before the world was, before time began. He foresaw every valley you would go through and gave you the grace to go through it successfully. He saw every mountainous challenge you would ever face and gave you the grace to climb to the top of it successfully. So he gave you a purpose and grace in Christ before you even knew to call on the name of Jesus. No wonder it's called a holy calling. That's a sacred thing that the creator of the universe had you in mind before you even knew to have him in your mind. That's a holy thing that you have that kind of connection with the Almighty. Do not ever underestimate the importance of one, O-N-E. God spoke this to my heart several months ago. And let me take you to Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. That's where John said, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now, watch this closely. This is very encouraging. The reason I said the importance of one is there's a chain of one to one to one before it spreads out to seven and then it spreads out globally. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God, that's the first one, which God gave to him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel. That's the next one to his servant, John. That's the third one. John was blind and incarcerated on the Isle of Patmos, probably in his mind, he wrote himself off thinking, I can never be effective for God again, when he's about to be more effective in some ways prophetically than he ever has. When they blinded him, he started seeing more than he'd ever seen before. Listen, God has a way of compensating. But there you have it, from the Father to the Son to the angel to John the Revelator. Really, that's four steps from the Father to the Son to the angel to John the Revelator, and then to seven churches, and then from the seven churches, it went out worldwide. And of course, it's continued, this book of Revelation being influential globally 
to the entire body of Christ. Don't be afraid to be one link in the chain. You may think what I'm doing is not important, but if you're called to reach one person who reaches one person who reaches one person, and then that person reaches a thousand and those thousand reach a million, you've had a significant part to play. Next, I want to go into something the Bible calls the high calling. Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14 in the King James Version. Paul said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Typical preacher, he says one thing, but it ends up being three things. But these three are one. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is this thing called the high calling? I believe it's the maximum manifestation of your potential. Not 30-fold, not 60-fold, but 100-fold fruitfulness reaching the 100-fold maximum manifestation of what God has planted in your heart as a potential. I challenge you to let go of the stuff that's been hindering you from the past. Forget those things that are behind and don't just sit in the doldrums where you're damaged from the past and you don't have the impetus to go forward. Reach forth unto those things which are before and actively passionately press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. And then the third type of calling is found in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Why does the Bible call it a heavenly calling? Because, number one, it calls you and me to a heavenly inheritance that we will one day receive eternally. And number two, we have the commission from God to to gather others into a heaven-bound family that has an inheritance eternally of dwelling in the presence of God and being a part of the bride of Christ. So it comes from heaven, but it leads us back to heaven, this thing called a heavenly calling. Revelation 19.9 says, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And finally, I want to take you to Isaiah 48, verse 12. I love this verse because it shows the God who authors this in you will finish it in you. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Isaiah 48.12 says, Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. I am he, I am the first, I am also the last. In other words, God is saying, I'm the initiator of what happened when I called Abraham. And Abraham had Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons, and those 12 sons became 12 tribes. And those 12 tribes became the nation of Israel. I started this. It was my vision. It was my concept that I transferred to the mind of Abram. And I turned him from Abram to Abraham, father of a multitude. I started this vision in motion. I am he, I am the first, but he said, I am also the last. In other words, the God who initiated that idea 
is the God who will bring it to completion. And Israel will be functional. I don't care how hated they are. It will be a functional nation all the way up to the very last day. I don't care how much they want to wipe Israel off the map. And the haters would like to do away with every Jew. But they've got to be a nation in existence when Jesus splits the sky and comes down and his feet stand on the Mount of Olives and they look on him whom they pierced. Praise God for that. And he will pour out his love and his grace on them, the spirit of grace and supplication. So God's going to finish the calling he started in your life. Be assured of that. Make your calling and election sure. You ought to read Second Peter and the whole first chapter because it talks about what you should do to make your calling and election sure. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I believe now would be a good time to pray and ask God to awaken your calling to a hundredfold maximum manifestation so that you can bear fruit for the Father's glory to the greatest degree. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.